This is the Good Guy Grant Podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, I want to talk a little soccer, but also I want to talk a little financial issues that's kind of going on between the sports. Uh, first off, we'll do the Who the Fuck is That Guy segment, uh, focusing a little bit on the Pelicans. We'll talk a little NFL with the uh, the playoffs. You know, you got the Bills and the Chiefs being this weekend, so that's going to be a pretty big game. And then we're going to talk a little NBA uh, towards the end as well. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank all the new viewers we had on this podcast. This is The Good Guy Grant. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. The Facebook page is Good Guy Grant. Follow me on Twitter, Good Guy Grant one on Twitter as well. So you can check out that as we speak. But I want to first start off talking about uh, a little bit of losses when it comes to sports in general. For people that know me, know I'm a big Soccer fans, especially when it comes to England, uh, I am a Manchester United fan, have been for quite a while. Uh, my main goal over the next year, uh, especially when COVID is over, most importantly, is to go to England and be able to go to a Man U soccer game at Old Trafford. That's something I look forward to here in the future, once we get out of COVID, of course. But for people that don't know, the English Premier League has two, what they call them, transfer windows at summer and then they have a mid-season uh, window. And when people who don't follow don't exactly know what's going on, so from January 1st to the end of January, you have a transfer window to where you can buy players from different clubs by offering them a certain amount of money, and then you negotiate like kind of like a free agent or a tra- trade transaction, things like that. You can pick up uh, said free agents, of course, And then in the summer, there's another transfer window as well. So you go from February 1st until the end of the season, which is usually May, give or take. From February 1st to the end of May, you can't sign any other players unless they're free agents. From January 1st to January 31st, and then also in the summer, so June, July, and August, you can offer other clubs money to buy players, or you can make trades. You know, you can do the swapper. One player, one player like the NBA does, things like that. But in soccer, it's different. You buy players, whether a free agent or in different teams, but you have only a certain window to where you can buy those players. You don't want to have uh, trades or any kind of signings going on in the middle of the season or you know halfway point. So the halfway point in the English Premier League is right now, and it's going on right now to where the transfer window is open. And the reason I want to focus on that It's because so many owners over the years have used so many excuses to why they're not buying players. For instance, they'll use, you know, we don't have the money to be able to buy players. Last year was, you know, COVID took all of our money. We don't have it. But what I want to focus on is these owners of these clubs, and there's, it's not just the top five or six. The first top 12 owners of an English Premier League soccer team, all of the owners make at least $2 billion as their net worth. So Sheikh Mazor, who's the owner of Manchester City, who Manchester City outside of Manchester doesn't have a lot of fans. Yes, they've won championships. But Sheikh Mazor, who's a big oil guy, has a net worth of $20 billion. Jesus, I would like to just see a million dollars, let alone $20 billion. The second highest owner in terms of net worth in the Premier League is Chelsea's owner, Roman Abramovich, 
It's $11.3 billion for him. And then you have Stan Kroenke, who owns Arsenal at $10 billion. He also owns the LA Rams, who just had a new stadium built a few years ago. Uh, Leicester City, Ijawat, Servan Prova has a net worth of $6 billion. Leicester City's in the top three right now in the league in terms of standing, so they're playing well. Uh, Tottenham has Joe Lewis and Daniel Levy. Uh, Daniel Levy owns... I think he owns a baseball team, but I can't remember. But Tottenham's net worth for their ownership is $6 billion. And then you have Aston Villa, who always suck, but they have a billionaire owner. Nassif Source has that $5.8 billion. And then the Glazer family, who owns Manchester United, has a net worth of $5 billion. They're also the team that owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you have some oil money. You have some owners that own multiple teams, et cetera, et cetera. The reason I want to focus this, and also John Henry, who owns the Boston Red Sox, he also owns Liverpool. His net worth is 2.7. So a couple months ago, a lot of the owners came out and said, we're expected to lose over $100 million without fans in the stands, no concession stands. You know, we still get the TV money because the games are still on TV, but we're losing money because of, because of COVID. So it's another excuse for them to blame COVID. So let's say you're this is COVID's only been going on and affecting the owners since give or take March of last year. I'll give them January just for shits and giggles. So you're telling me from 2019 January, or excuse me, 2020, I keep thinking COVID started in 19 for some reason. I think the first case was in 19, but it wasn't really brought up to the entire world until uh, late January. Thanks, Donald Trump in the United States for being a shithead and not paying attention. Um, but so COVID's been going on since and affecting owners since January 2020. So we're in a full year now. The owners say they've lost over $100 million. But I want to counter what the owners are saying. So you've lost $100 million for a year. Fine. That's like pennies to you guys. That's like your taxes every year because you're billionaires. But if you're a player and you see that the owners are coming out saying that we've lost $100 million because of COVID, that means year after year after year, you've grossed $100 million. Year after year after year. The Premier League has not been suffering over the years. It's the top soccer league in the world. The Premier League makes more money than any soccer league in the world. It makes more than the one in Spain, makes more than the league in France, makes more than the Bundesliga in Germany. England brings in the most money for soccer out of any other soccer league in the world. So for owners to come out and say, we can't afford to buy players January 2021 because of the losses we're taking, that is absolutely ridiculous. You lost $100 million. Great. That's probably what you pay in taxes every year. But you've also grossed over $100 million year after year after year after year. Where is that money? Where are you investing that money? That's basically money that's sitting off to the side that you probably pissed away doing something dumb, like saying, well, I invested this money in X amount of real estate things, and I bought this instead of putting it back into my team. Stan Kroenke, who owns Arsenal, 
is one of the cheapest damn owners in the Premier League, and he has a net worth of $10 billion. Again, that's the guy that owns the LA Rams and Arsenal Football Club. So he's been grossing over $100 million just in Premier League money, not the NFL money. And don't forget, the NFL money, he makes more than $100 million a year in the NFL alone. Now with COVID and everything, he doesn't make as much, but he's still getting the TV money. He's still getting merchandise sales. He's still getting the X amount of dollars from sponsorships, whatever they put on on the pregame show or even during commercials that say, hey, if you air our commercial, we're going to give you this amount of money for this kind of product. Stan Kroenke's came out and said it. The Glazer family of Manchester United have come out and said it. Multiple ownership, even Manchester City owner Sheikh Mazar, who owns Man City, net worth of $20 billion, has basically said, because of COVID, we're not going to be spending money in January to bring in new players to be able to improve our team. And these are teams, Arsenal is not in the top 10 right now. They could use that extra push to be able to get them in there. Manchester United is in first right now, and they need a defender and a right winger and a right back, and they refuse to do business this January because they blame COVID. That is absurd. Manchester United owner is, like I said, the Glazer family who owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who multiple times have taken dividends out of the team. And basically what dividends are, it's money that you make off the club that almost automatically gets reinvested into the club. Well, the Glazer family has basically took is the only only ownership in soccer to take dividends out of the club it's over 40 million dollars they basically said all right i want that as a pocket that's our revenue for covid they've done that twice in a year stan Kroenke sells all these players at arsenal makes a lot of money and doesn't reinvest in the club very often now everybody's like well you brought pepe great you bought an 80 million dollar guy who sits on the bench Great. That's chump change to you. Again, Stan Kroenke, your, your net worth is $10 billion. Sheikh Manzar, your net worth is $20 billion. You're making bank. You're making hundreds of millions of dollars every single year. And you refuse to reinvest it into buying players to improve your club. That is a horrible look. John Henry, who owns Liverpool, and again, this is the guy that also owns the Boston Red Sox. So he's making a ton of money off the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox are one of the clubs in baseball who makes them probably, I would say they're probably top five in earnings year after year after year. Of course, you have New York, you have the LA Dodgers. Uh, so those clubs make a lot of money as well. But John Henry, whose Liverpool team has multiple defenders who are out with injury, has already said, I'm not spending money in January. And the excuse it they used was COVID. These owners are using COVID as their excuse for not buying players. That is absolutely absurd. That is ridiculous at the fact that these owners think it's okay to use a pandemic for the reason why they can't invest money into the club. You've made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars year after year after year. COVID strikes January 2020, and all of a sudden those pocketbooks, they some for some teams they still remain closed, but for other clubs, it just gives them a way to use it as an excuse not to spend money, and they keep putting money in their pockets. 
Do you think if the Glazers went and pissed away $50 million, $100 million on a craps table and lost in Vegas, they're going to be hurting? No. Again, their net worth is $5 billion. Do you think Sheik Manzar, if he goes and pisses away a billion dollars, just lights it on fire and says, fuck it, I'm going to make that money up in oil money so it doesn't matter? No. That is money that he doesn't give a shit about. Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester United, all the top clubs in the Premier League are refusing to do business in the January transfer window because their ownership is using COVID as an excuse not to spend money. And it's absolutely ridiculous. This is one of the most quiet January transfer windows that have happened in a very long time, probably since the Great Depression, to be honest with you. Usually ownerships are willing to spend money bringing in the players they need to get that second half push to be able to go for a title, get top four so you can get Champions League, whichever way you want to do it, maybe top six in Arsenal's case to get Europa, things like that. I don't want to hear COVID as, as costing ownership, and it's not just the Premier League that's doing it. College football athletic departments have already said, you know, I saw Wisconsin High State said, you know, we're going to we're going to lose up to, it's like $100 million because of false sports. We're going to lose money because we can't have fans in the stands. We can't have, we don't have money for concessions. College football, they did that all through the year. And you can make the same point against them. So you've been making hundreds of millions of dollars every fall. And there's a pandemic that comes around. And you claim, well, I don't have any money. Where the hell's that money? And the reason I use the Premier League as kind of like this main topic is when there's a pandemic going on, the cost of evaluation of a player actually goes down as well. So, for instance, last fall, Jaden Sancho plays for Dortmund, which is in the German League and Bundesliga. They put his price tag to sell him at 125 million pounds. Because of COVID, his price tag right now, and since it's been going on now for a little while, is between 80 and 100 million pounds. So COVID is affecting these owners' pocketbooks. I'll give them that. Yes, they're losing money because they have fans in the ground. They're still making money off of merchandise sales. It's not like they're not selling merchandise on uh, online or anything like that or outside the stadium. You can still do that. They still have fan shops and everything. But if there's a perfect time to buy a player at a cut rate, it is right now. For players that were evaluated at 25 to 30 million pounds a few months ago, you can get them now for 15 to 20 million pounds. So you're actually, you're saving that 10 to 15 million or however much, depending on how much they're evaluated for now. You could have bought those players for cheaper now, but the ownership in these clubs are being so tight with their pocketbooks that they refuse to spend money. NBC's paying these clubs a lot of money. Every season, the Premier League gives every club money for being in the league in general. It's like... It's over $50 million, I know that. So they get that money as well. For ownerships of these clubs, and even college football, you can say that at the NFL, the NBA, 
for them to use COVID as an excuse for not spending money is absolutely ridiculous. It's just another excuse for these billionaires to not spend money. And it it they have every excuse year after year after year. Well, we don't spend money because of this. Uh, we don't have money because of this. Or we don't have money because of this reason, blah, blah, blah. Now, why is that? I don't get why the these clubs come out and they say, you know, we have to really be, be tight-lipped about what we spend money on because of all the COVID losses and everything. For instance, the... The owner of the Cleveland Indians, for instance, he's honestly, he's probably, give or t- he's not the richest owner in Major League Baseball. That's now the New York Mets guy. And then you have Steinbrenner family, et cetera, et cetera. Even the Cleveland Indians, who are one of the cheapest organizations when it comes to spending in baseball, Paul Dolan, who owns the team, is worth $2.6 billion. And he's always complaining, I can't re-sign this guy. I can't put money out for this person. Well, what are we going to do about this because I don't want to spend money? No, you're just a cheap ass. That's your problem. You don't want to spend money. All right, I want to change segments a little bit. Talk. A, we want to bring the, uh, the Who the Fuck Is That Guy segment back. So here you go. Who the fuck is that guy? And so I want to focus on Najee Marshall. Again, we did the Spurs last week, so we're focusing on the New Orleans Pelicans. Najee Marshall, who is on the New Orleans Pelicans. He's 6'7", 220. He's a rookie this year. He's out of Xavier. He won undrafted. Has appeared in three games. Averages .3 points a game. So in three years at Xavier, his point total actually went up each and every year, which is good. You know, you always want to see improvements, things like that. So Najee Marshall, his first year at Xavier was 2017. 2018, he played 21 minutes, averaged seven points a game. So not bad as a freshman. That's pretty good. His second year at Xavier, he played 33 games, averaged 35 minutes, averaged 14.7 points. So he doubled his point total from year one to year two. That's good. In his third year, which is junior year, Average same amount of minutes at 35. Shot better, so he went from shooting 39% his second year from the field to 44. That's pretty good. He went from averaging 14.7 his second year to 16.8 as a junior. Now, some athletes, you know, they'll redshirt, you know, they'll do whatever. But after three years, some people get their college degree while you're a pro. Or, I'm sorry, while you're a college student. Because athletes take the summer classes. They always have a full workload. They get that bachelor's degree pretty quickly depending on how quick you want to be able to get that degree and then be able to uh, have moves things like that so he got his degree in three years at xavier declares for the 2020 nba draft he was kind of like those mid second round to possibly undrafted type players i remember uh, seeing this uh more i think about it and i remember reading like a scout thing that said most likely he was going drafted and I'm one of those weird people. I read like draft magazines and things like that. So Marshall declared in 2020, he goes undrafted, signs on with the New Orleans Pelicans as a two-way player. And two-way player means 
when the G League starts back up, which is going to be in the bubble down in Florida, the New Orleans Pelicans have the options to send Najee Marshall down to the G League, their G League team, so that way he can get game time in the G League because he's a two-way player. And the good thing what the NBA did is with so many players having issues with, with COVID and things like that, they actually added a second another excuse me they added another two-way player contract so you have multiple players and go to the g league get some game time if they play well they can call them back up and that's what's happening with Najee marshall but that's the guy when i looked at the roster and i look at him like who the fuck is this like i don't know who that guy is like he's one of those players that kind of is on a roster but you would never think he's on a roster and i think that happens more now with covid going along in the nba and they expanded out the roster so you're going to see that a lot more but I, I don't mind what the Pelicans are doing in terms of, of talent. I mean, the big thing with them, they're 5-10 and 10 right now in the uh, the Southwest standings, which is dead last. They're three games out of first, which Memphis is in first with 7-6. and six. But the thing with New Orleans, and this has always been the biggest issue with them, is team defense, to be honest with you. They got the offense. In my opinion, they got a good offense with all-star Brandon Ingram. You got Zion. You got Lonzo Ball. Eric Bledsoe's a good role player. Steven Adams is one of those guys that gets blocks. He, he rebounds the ball pretty well. He plays good defense. But team defense as a whole in New Orleans has been a problem for the last few years. And it doesn't seem that it's getting better. J.J. Reddick's getting older. He can still shoot it, but his defense is getting even worse than what it was. Lonzo's defense... It's always kind of skeptical at times. He plays the passing lanes really good, and he gets a steal or two a game, which is, is good to see. But until guys like Zion and Brandon Ingram really dive in and focus on defense, this team will never really take the next step. The Jerry's still out on their, their first-round pick from 2020. Uh, it's Kira Lewis Jr., the point guard out of Alabama. He hasn't played a ton this year. He's not getting a look. The backup point guard is actually Alexander Walker, who they drafted a couple years ago. So I think that pick was kind of skeptic at first. Jackson Hayes, their young big guy, is right now blocked by the, the acquisition of Steven Adams. So Jackson Hayes is the backup center. I think he, he needs to bulk up a little bit to be able to bang down low. Their bench is decent. I mean, you got J.J. Redick, Josh Hart. I think Nicola Melli who's their backup power forward. I think he's a good player. Uh, like I said, Jackson Hayes. But until their team really focuses more on defense, I don't see this as a team that's going to make the playoffs and make any noise. And that's a problem if you have young stars on rookie contracts. So, for instance, Lonzo Ball said to be a free agent after this year. Is he going to stay or could he go? They offered him a contract in the offseason. He turned it down. Brandon Ingram did sign his extension, so he's going to be there for a few more years, which is good. I think Eric Bledsoe's contract's up here in the next couple years as well. What are they going to do with Josh Hart? J.J. Redick is in the last year of his contract, I believe, as well. Uh, Zion's still in that rookie deal from when he was the first overall pick. You always want to win when your young players are on rookie contracts or lower contracts. Because you only have that small window, that couple-year window, to where you have those guys on contract. And it's the same way in the NFL. It's the same way in Major League Baseball. It's, it's the same way in the NBA. You want to win when your top players are on acceptable contracts until you have to pay them. Because once you pay them, 
you have to take that money that they're going to get. Some of them are getting like max money, things like that, big time deals. But it sacrifices other players on your team. So you might have had three or four really good players on top of a guy who's on a rookie deal who's an all-star. You pay max value for that rookie guy whose contract is up, and then you lose one or two really good players because you can't afford them anymore and you don't want to pay luxury tax. It happens all the time in NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA. So the Pelicans, if they if they really want to be a good team in the playoffs and make some noise, they have to play better team defense, ultimately. they got Any team in the NBA has to still stay healthy for one. The NBA's already had to cancel over 18 games in the regular season. They call it postponement, but I don't think they're going to be able to make up those games. So within a month of the NBA season already going on, they've already had to cancel 18 games. Think about that. And the players didn't want a bubble. I want to talk a little NFL to end the sake that this episode. I mean, of course, you got right now Tampa Bay's playing the Packers. It's fourteen ten. Uh, Tampa Bay's up right now. Uh, Antonio Brown's not playing for the the Buccaneers. He's out injured. Tom Brady already has a TD pass to Mike Evans, and then Fournette had a really good twenty yard run for a TD. Aaron Rodgers, you know, fourteen and nineteen, one sixty nine, a TD and an interception right now. That pick, you know, you don't see Aaron Rodgers throw a lot of picks this year. A lot of people are already saying he's the MVP. I actually, before today, I actually picked the Packers to win this game because I think at Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers always has the refs on his side, and he he plays really well at home. And I don't I don't think Tom Brady had enough in the tank to be able to get his team over. I, I still pick the Packers even though the games are going on. So it's, that's going to be something to see. The late game is the Buffalo Bills, who I think Josh Allen is the MVP of the NFL. They'll probably end up giving it to Aaron Rodgers, but it's going to be Bills and Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is going to play. Uh, he was in concussion protocol most of the week, but he is out of that, and he is going to play. He took practice reps all throughout the week, which is good to see for him, for his health. I hope the Bills win, and it's weird. So the reason I want the Bills win, I don't want to see a repeat champion in the Chiefs, but also... The way Jackson Mahomes, who's Patrick Mahomes' brother, acted last game when the Chiefs played the Browns was absolutely ridiculous. So his brother gets knocked out of the game. And Jackson Mahomes is up in the like the boxes for the fans that get to sit up there, real expensive like luxury boxes. He does a TikTok video while his brother's laying on the ground, concussed. Like, what a douche to do that. That's the reason why I'm picking the Bills, and I like Josh Allen. I like watching him play. I hope the Bills win. I think the Chiefs will ultimately win, though. I think it's going to be Chiefs-Packers in the Super Bowl. But we can see. you know. It, and it, stranger things have, have happened, have been wrong in the past uh, predictions. So if you're going to Vegas to bet on games, probably don't take my bets. But this is the Good Guy Grant Podcast. Again, follow, like me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter, GoodGuyGrant1. You can send me messages. I'll respond with suggestions on what you think I should cover for next topics. I think the next topic I want to talk about, and we skipped over the Medal of Honor thing with Bill Belichick because I wanted to talk about it, but I, I didn't want to focus on it too, too much. Um, but I think the next episode we're going to talk a little boxing. You know, I watched the Stephen Fulton fight last night. It was a really good fight. I want to talk about the the boxing division and where I think it's going to be going. So I think I'm going to focus a little bit on boxing for the next episode for boxing fans. 
But uh, like I said, I appreciate all the new listeners that I have. One of the listeners I saw is in Ireland, which is great to see. You know, wherever you are across the world, you know, listen, share to your friends, things like that. But this is the Good Guy Grant Podcast. I hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy the episode.